Every time we sing that, and Connie says, I just feel like we're standing at the gates of hell and the demons are running away from us. Amen, amen, amen. Oh, would you um, put that slide up for me, uh, Kat? And um, I wanna, I'm going to talk this morning when I get there about... Uh, I, I um, was standing here last, last Sunday and I had a, a word from the Lord and I didn't give it. Um, that's kind of a teachable moment. Did you know that not everything you hear in your head needs to be shared? Amen. And especially in church. Um, I held back. I, 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 I wasn't sure and, and I didn't give it. And I was about to and and then as, as soon as I waited and then the next song came along, it was practically word for word what I was, what I was hearing. But, um, you know, sometimes God is speaking to us personally, right? And sometimes he's pushing us in a certain direction. Sometimes what we hear, amazingly enough, isn't even God, it might be ourselves, you know. Um, it's necessary. And, and you're in a church that believes in the presence and the power of God, and, and we are open to the moving of the Spirit. We love the gifts of the Spirit. We want what God wants. We want to hear. Well, that was what the Word of the Lord was this morning. Hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying to the church. We need to hear what God is saying to us and be sensitive to the voice of the Spirit. But we also need to be sensitive enough to know the difference between it's us or when it's God and when I need to share it when I don't need to share it. And um, so I just thought I'd, I'd throw, that, throw that out there. Um, but the word that came, but the song that came right behind it was a confirmation to me that I was hearing from the Lord. But all week I, I, I thought on this. And the word of the Lord was, you are the light of the world. And it also went, there was a second part to it. It said, you. Now, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. But he also said, you are the light of the world. And, he's, and I, I heard these words. I said, you are the light of the world. And in you, there is no darkness nor shadow. Now, and so I just, and, and then he said again to me, you are the light of the world. And that would have been okay to speak, but I thought about it all week. I came across this. I, I, think, I thought this was uh, kind of important. Uh, do you know how many Christians it takes to change a light bulb? Well, if they're charismatic, it only takes one because their hands are already in the air. Uh, okay. This is not going well. So, uh, it, if they're Presbyterians, it doesn't take any because the lights will go on and off at predestined times. Okay. Okay. If they're Amish, they go, what's a light bulb? If they're Lutherans, if they're Lutherans, it doesn't take any because they don't believe in change. I didn't write this. I just write, I'm just reading it. Just somebody wrote it. If they're Roman Catholic, it said it doesn't take any because they only use candles. And if they're Baptists, it takes at least 15. It takes one to change the light bulbs, and it takes 14 more to come up with three committees and to talk about it, uh, talk about changing the light bulb and bring the fried chicken and the potato salad. So. 
And if they're Methodists, it's undetermined because whether your light is bright or dull or completely out, you're loved. And you can be a light bulb, a turnip bulb, or a dim bulb, bring a bulb of your choice to the Sunday lighting service. I, you know, it's just, and if you're a Jehovah Witness, it, it, uh, it, doesn't, it doesn't take any to change bulbs because they're out there too busy knocking on doors telling everybody they got the wrong light. Ooh, okay. Hmm. Well, uh, there's, some, there's some truth buried down in there, but you'll have to find it for yourself. Um, so I, I want to talk to you about the fact that you are the light of the world. So I, I want to put the first part up there. And, and, and what he said to me came from Jesus who's speaking in the Beatitudes in Matthew chapter 4. So if you'll put that verse up there, Matthew chapter 5 rather. He said, Jesus said, you are the light of the world. Say it with me. Say it this way. I am the light of the world. Say it. I am the light of the world. Hmm. And then it says, verse 15, no one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket, but rather on a lampstand, so it'll give light to everybody who's in the house. Now think about what that just said. It said, you are the light of the world. Nobody hides their light under a, under a basket. No, if they got a light, it lights up the whole room, wherever they are. Just file that away in some reference point. And then verse 16, in the same way, let your light, Shine before men so they'll see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. So Jesus is, is, is telling us a truth. He says, you're the light of the world. Don't hide your light. Let it shine so everybody can see it and make an impact in this world. And, and they'll give glory to God and let them see what God is doing in, in your life. And the second part of that, that word that he gave me was found in the book of John chapter um, chapter 8, verse 12. And Jesus spoke to them. And, and now, you know, sometimes I was telling Connie this morning, we, we go through the Bible, we read it, and, and it's, it's good just to read it. But you know, there's a context, there's, there's, a, there's something that was happening. When Jesus, you've heard me tell the story many times, you know, when Jesus is talking to Peter about who do you say I am, he's standing up there in Caesarea Philippi, and, and he's standing in front of the, the, uh, uh, the, the cave or the, the, the pagan temple to the god of Pan that they literally called the gates of hell. I've been there and visited it, and it's, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a kind of foreboding place. But so, he's, so when he tells Peter that the gates of hell won't prevail against this truth, that I am the Christ, I'm the anointed one, and upon that rock of revelation, I'm going to build my church, he's standing in front of the gates of hell. So he says that the gates of hell can't, can't prevail. So they understood. Well, when Jesus is standing here in, in, Man, in John 8, 12, he's standing in front of the temple. He's standing in the court of women just before you go into the temple itself. Do you know what the temple was called in Jesus's day? the light of the world. It represented the religious system that was the light of the world. It was bringing light to the world about Jehovah, Jehovah. And in addition to that, in the court of the women where he's standing, there are four great, huge, uh, towering lampstands that are like a basin or a small bowl filled with oil that are lit to give light to that whole courtyard. So, and those lights are also called the light of the world. So he's standing between four lights before the temple, and he, no wonder it made them crazy. He pronounces, see that temple? 
you call it the light of the world? Guess what? I'm the light of the world. Whoa, blasphemy. No wonder they wanted to kill him. Okay? He says, I'm the light of the world. Anyone who follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. There's another verse I want to put just kind of as foundation for where I'm going today in, in, in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 8. Paul's writing to the church, and he says, you, you used to be in darkness. We'll talk about what the darkness is. But now, now, you are the light of the world. He reaffirms what Jesus has said in the Beatitudes. Live, walk. As children of light, what is our responsibility if we have the light? If we are the light of the world, what is our responsibility? We're to walk like it. We're to live like it. And one more verse. I want you. I want you to go to uh, John chapter one for me. We'll skip the Matthew twenty-eight for a minute and go down to John one. Did I give you John one? Yeah. Let's read this. First five verses of the beginning of John, the Gospel of John. In the beginning, okay? Go ahead and put that up, Kat. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was God. Word was with God. And the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. All things were created through Him. And apart from Him, not one thing was created that was created. Life was in him. And that life is the light of men. And that light shines in the darkness. Yet the darkness did not, could not, will not overcome the light. We come up on Christmas soon and you're all familiar with Isaiah 9-2. I didn't give it to you. Don't worry about it. But it says that the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Who are they talking about? The Messiah. Jesus is called the light of the world. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has no power over it. And uh, like a lot of things in my life, I thought I had been given a word by God, and you know it was, it was fresh, and it's a rhema word. And, and Connie says, well, I gave that word last December. She said, you just finally got it. Oh, well, I'm a little slow. It just took me, you know, took me nine and a half months, 10 months, 10 and a half months to get there. So, um, but this is actually a word. I've been teaching on about the, the need and the necessity, and I'm teaching a class on Wednesday night on, on the, the supernatural power of a transformed mind that Bill Johnson has, has written. And, and, and I've been teaching in here on, on the being a renewed mind. Everything I'm going to tell you today about the light of the world, it flows, it has to flow out of a renewed mind. It has to, it has to be something that you get, you, you change, you have a different mindset about who you are and about what you're carrying, about what you're hosting. And, and so I want, to, I want to develop that. And if you haven't heard the sermon on a renewed mind, go back and look at it from a couple of weeks ago, but, you know, it, it'll help you. But, but. This all has to flow. It can't flow out of just, it's not just head knowledge. It has to be, it has to start down here with the spirit that develops it and gets the mind changed. So that I'm going to live. He said, as children of light, we're supposed to walk in it, walk in it, live it. 
And I, I want to develop that way. So now you can put Matthew 28 up there for me there, Kat. And, and the, the last words that Jesus spoke to his disciples and to us, by extension, when he left here, he said that uh, then G, Matthew 28, verse uh, 19, 18, Jesus said, go. I'm sorry, start over. Jesus said, all authority has been given to me. Who has all the authority? In heaven and on this earth. And dare I say, even in the pits of hell. Okay? Then he says, go, therefore. Now, therefore, the therefore is connected to the previous verse. I have all the authority in the entire universe, therefore... Go, make disciples of how many nations? All. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always, even to the end of this age. I've got all the authority and I'm giving it to you, I'm releasing it to you, you're gonna go out into all the world and you're gonna preach whatever I have commanded you, whatever I have told you. We, we call this the Great Commission. Essentially what Jesus is saying is, here's your assignment, people. I have all the authority in the world right now. Do you know what it means when Jesus says, I have all the authority in the world? Someone is running around this world Speaking a lie. The devil has power, but he has no authority. You have that authority in you. The devil is a liar. He acts like he has the authority. He acts like he has all the power. He doesn't. He's already been beaten. Jesus said, I've got it all. How much is all? Just checking. So now you followers of me, I want you to go and I want you to take this authority into this whole big world and use it to teach that whole big world about me. And I'll be with you to help you do that. You're not going to do it in your own strength. He tells them to wait in Jerusalem until they are due with power. You're going to do it in the power of the Holy Spirit. And I'll be with you to help you do it. Understand something. We've taught about this over the last few weeks. Who are we? We're children of God. Who are we? We're royal priests. We're kings and priests in this world. We're, Pastor Dave's been preaching on being the anointed of God. And we're ordained to do his work in this world by the power of the Spirit of God that's now living inside of each one of us. Now think of this. God says, he says, he, he tells us to go. He says, what he's saying is, you used to be in darkness, but now you are the light of the world. I am the light of the world, and my spirit is now in you, and so you are the light of the world. Darkness has no place in you, nor around you. The only, see, the only way that the enemy has any authority over any of us, in any, of our part, in any part of a lie, Life is if we believe his lie. Arthur Burt used to talk about that. He said the strength of the, you know, 
The power of the false is in the ability to hide the truth. You know, what was it? The, the propaganda people talked. If you say a lie often enough and long enough and hard enough, people will become to believe it's the truth. That's what's happening in our politics. That's what's happening in the, in the media and all around us today. People are lying and people don't know the difference because they haven't bothered to investigate what the real truth is. The only way the enemy has any authority over your life is if you believe he has, uh, he has it. Because he has none. Jesus said, how much has he got? The only time the lie can have power over you is if you, if you believe it. So then he says, teach all the nations everything I taught you. What did he teach them? Well, we were just, I was just talking with a, uh, one of our young people here a moment ago, and we're praying. And one of the things necessary is, the, you know, it's, it's great we have the gifts of the Spirit. We also need to walk in the fruit of the Spirit. Amen. Love, joy, peace, kindness, gentleness, mercy, you know, long-suffering, patience, meekness. All those things. So he, he taught us how to do all of that. Those are some of the fruits that he exhibited. But what else did he teach them? And we're, we're going to look at uh, Matthew chapter 10, verses 7 and 8 for a second. He, tell, he told the, his disciples when he was sending them out, he says, go, <laughs> and as you go, announce, tell them this. The kingdom of heaven has come nigh unto you, has come near to you. Really? How will we know that what you're telling us is the truth? Well, because the next verse says, heal the sick as a confirmation that your words are so. Raise the dead. Cleanse those with skin diseases. Drive out demons. Freely you've received. You've received free of charge. Give it away free of charge. So what did he teach us? He taught us he was our model. And remember, he said, I only do what I see the Father doing. So what's the will of God? What Jesus was doing. So what's the will of God on this earth today? The pattern is, the model is Jesus. Whatever he did, he told us to do. And in fact, he told us we're going to do even greater things than he did. Is that right? And then in, chapter, in the same chapter, down there in verse 11, it says, when you come into any town or village... And find out who's worthy, stay there till you leave. Now he was speaking about when they're going to go stay in a house. And when you greet a household, when you enter it, uh, you know, tell, them, uh, tell them it's worthy. Let the peace of God be, say shalom in that house. And if the, peace is, uh, if the place is worthy, it'll stay there. If it's not, it'll come back to you. And if anyone does not welcome you or listen to your words, then shake the dust off your feet when you leave that house or town. You see, people, it's of choice. People have choices. You know, my friends who believe that the light bulbs will be destined to turn on and off on their own accord are mistaken. Everyone has a choice to turn the light on or turn it off. So that's what he was really, you know what he's really telling us? You know what he's telling those disciples? Let heaven invade this earth. Let heaven invade this earth. Go Go shine your lights as the light of God into the darkness of this world. Walk and live in the power of my presence by the spirit of God that's living inside of you. That's our model. Jesus was our model. He said, go tell them everything I've commanded, everything I've taught you. Go teach them everything I've taught you. What he did, he said we could do. And even, even more than that. The problem is that over the many centuries since he left, the, the church made a mistake. 
I want to, I want to refresh your mind. So Jesus said, go into all the world, teach them, baptize them, and teach them everything I commanded you. Okay, so who is our model? Over the last 2,000 plus years, you know what happened in the church? When the first disciples died and the apostles died, people started to do things in their own strength. There were followers of those disciples and those apostles. There were churches planted all over the world. They turned the world upside down for Jesus. But do you know what happens? I I was talking to a a pastor the other day, and he said he uh, took a sabbatical back in the year 2000, and he was gone for six months. He said he lost half the church during that period. He'd been doing ministry in that church for 15 years, been in the ministry for 25 years, and while he was gone for six months, he said he lost half of his congregation. And said, when I came back, he said, I really needed the rest. I was stressed out, burned out. I needed to get, you know, I need some time off. And uh, I, I can understand that. And, and he said, though, but he said, it took me another seven years to get back to where I was when I left there for six months. He said, now the church is doing great spiritually. But he says, if I had a choice to do it over again, I'd take a couple of extra weeks of vacation a year and not take that sabbatical. But you know what the problem with that is? And this is the problem in a lot of places. We are leadership-driven. In other words, people are followers of people. The church, if the church is built on my back, it won't last. If, if you are going to a church because, I mean, it's important what you're hearing, and, and don't misunderstand me, you know, there, there are gifted and anointed and talented people in the kingdom of God, and you want to go where you're being fed, I get all that. But if the church is just built on a man, they're building on the wrong foundation, friend. And, and what happened in the church over 2,000 years is we started following leaders rather than following, who was that model again? And what happens is, as we moved away from the beginning... The church became watered down because the leadership, the people that were in charge, didn't have the same understanding, didn't have the same anointing, were no longer following the model themselves, and so they began to do things in their own strength, and tradition became truth rather than truth overseeing tradition. And, and you know, traditions are fine as far as that goes, but they don't replace the word of God. And so what happens is we lost sight of who the model was. We tried to, you know, Paul said in in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, he says, I didn't come to you with excellency of speech. I didn't come to you with great oratorical skills. I didn't come to you with great sermons and everything. I came to you in a demonstration of the power of God. Why? So that your faith would not rest on the wisdom of men, but rather in a demonstration of the power. Well, when the church loses sight of that, how do you, you know, it's no wonder that the light got weaker and weaker and dimmer and dimmer until finally it was essentially out. Soon darkness is prevailing. Do you know why they call it the dark ages? Because there was no spirit. There was no light left in the church. They were doing rules. They were trying to, they were trying to beat people into submission to following Jesus. You don't follow us. You, you, you know, get burning people at the stake for the crying out loud. 
because they thought differently. And so, for all intents and purposes, the light was extinguished. They, they tried to do their assignment, but they tried to do it in their own power, and it didn't work. And it wasn't until 1901, when the resurgence of the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the Pentecostal movement was birthed, that the light came back into the world. And right now, the light of the gospel, the full gospel message is shining all around the world. Do you know today, just the Assemblies of God alone, we are now, we are now approaching 70 million believers worldwide. 35 million in Brazil alone. You go to Africa and South America where I've been and you see the power of God and you know, and it's, it's, they're walking in that anointing. Eastern Europe, they're walking in that anointment. anointment. They're walking in that anointing, okay? But it wasn't until the light was turned on again to remember, who's our model? Just checking, okay? The spirit of God was in every believer that believed that Jesus is the savior and believed that Jesus is the son of God, but it wasn't turned on. The, the, the candle was down so low for all practical purposes, it was extinguished, their light was not shining. They didn't understand who they were. They didn't understand what they had. They didn't understand who they were hosting. We're called to be light bearers in this world. In a dark world, we're called to be the exact representation of our model, Jesus, in this world. We've got the spirit of God in us. And we've got authority to walk as light bearers in the darkness. We're not supposed to, see, that's the other thing. What happens then in the church, for the most part, we live in response to whatever the darkness comes, whatever darkness comes upon us. We always react to the darkness. But we're supposed to be living as lights that are penetrating the darkness and pushing back the darkness as it tries to spread over our families and over communities and over nations and states. We're, we're called to be, to be pushing back the darkness. We're not supposed to be letting the darkness evolve over the top of us and put our light out. There's, there's something backwards. We're the light of the world. And in us, there is no darkness nor shadow. We have the authority of the name of Jesus. We have the authority of our model. And how much did he have? All. We're supposed to be destroying the darkness, not the other way around. In fact, I want to put this verse for you. It's Colossians 1, verse 13. When you got saved, you were living in darkness. It's not just darkness of sin. I'm going to develop that just thought just a little bit more in a second. But it's, it's not just the darkness of sin, but it's the darkness of this world. Who is Satan called after all? He's called the prince of the power of the air. Wherever he is, there is no light in him. He's called an angel of light. He's, he masquerades as one. He's a counterfeit, but there's no light in him. So in him is only darkness. And G, Paul says that Jesus rescued us. He redeemed us from the darkness, pulled us out of the pit and translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. You've been taken out of the kingdom of darkness and put into the kingdom of light. If you put up Ephesians 6.12, you're very familiar with this verse. We don't wrestle. We're not fighting people. We're working against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of what? Darkness of this world, 
against spiritual wickedness in high places. That's the darkness that we're fighting. That's the darkness. It, it involves sin, but it tells us that there's, there's no light in him. Everything is dark where he is. And think about the storms of life, the disease, the depression, the discouragement, the hate, the evil, the division, the chaos, the anxiety, the oppression, the possession even. All of these things emanate from where? From the darkness of the pits of hell. Did you hear me? Disease, discouragement, hate, chaos. All those things flow from one place. The darkness of our enemy. But we who were once under the influence of the kingdom of darkness have now been filled with the light of the knowledge of the glory of God. We've been deposited into a new kingdom. And this kingdom is a kingdom of love and peace and joy and mercy and kindness and, and, and long-suffering or patience and you know all those things. And it's also a kingdom of power. And we've got the authority. And we've got the power to influence the darkness. Light and power, life and power, are love and power rule in this, in this kingdom. The problem is, Pastor Dave was talking last week about reigning in this life. Most of the church has no concept of what that even means. How can I reign over the darkness when it just seems to be flooding in on me and overpowering me and the storms of life keep washing over me and all I see is dark clouds? How in the world am I supposed to reign in this life? But that's because we're just reacting to the darkness again. When the devil throws darkness at, at us, how do we respond to it? How should we respond? Instead of responding in, in the power and the word of God, we, we just, we, we feel pushed down. We, we, so many people are walking around in fear. You know, you say cancer, and what's the first thought that comes into your head? Fear. Why? Because we know so many people whose lives have been destroyed by it. And it's a terrible disease. But what if we lived our lives instead like our model Jesus did? Let me ask you a question. Pastor Dave taught on a great illustrated sermon about the, you know, uh, the storm that Jesus was in on the, on the, in the boat. <laughs> what was Jesus' response to the dark clouds that formed over the Sea of Galilee and started the wind that came and started to whip up the, the, ocean, the sea and, and, and the frothing and, and all the, the their boat is bouncing everywhere? What was Jesus' response? He was asleep. What were the disciples' response? Oh, we're going to drown. We're going to die here, right? The response was fear. It's fear. The only reason he responded was because of the fear of his disciples, so he got up and he stopped the storm. Why? He had all the authority. Obviously, there was something in that storm that wasn't God. He took authority over it. You see, if I only live in response to the storms that the devil throws at me, then I am giving the devil the right to set my agenda. Are you hearing me? 
If you only live in response to what the devil throws at you, then you're allowing him to set the agenda for your life. Put up Proverbs chapter 3. Verses 5 and 6, if I didn't give that to you. All right. I'll read it. It says, trust, you know it, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Where's our trust? In all your ways, submit to him, and he will guide you on the right paths. Another translation says, he will make your path straight. Now think about this. That trust that we're supposed to have in the Lord, where does it come from? Well, it comes from knowing his word and knowing his nature And his nature is his word, and his word is his nature. And then I acknowledge the Lord in every decision, every day. And he says, he will order my steps. Now, that does not mean, well, let me back up. So if he's ordering my steps, who is not ordering my steps? Satan. He orders my steps. If I only just respond to the darkness... The first thought that comes in my life when the storm rages is fear, as I said. If I put my mind and heart, if I put my circumstances, if if I put those circumstances of darkness in the first place in my mind and heart, then I cannot be led by the Spirit of God. But if instead I am every day pursuing God, I am asking him to lead my steps, then no matter whether the storms come at me or not, I know my steps are ordered of the Lord. I know he's with me. I know he's going to take me through. It doesn't really matter if the storm rages or not. See, the light of God, (laughs) ever been on a, been out, you know, I know we got a couple deer hunters here. You know, if you go early in the morning, you get up that deer stand, climb that stupid tree, and sit there like a rock for hours on end, hoping. I saw three deer yesterday while I was at the driving range. They walked right in front. I could have killed them all with a golf ball, you know. But it could have saved you a lot of time. You know, but you go out there early in the morning when it's dark, right? If you're walking through the woods in the dark, you're going to trip. You're going to fall. You know, you ever tripped? I uh, see. Okay. Thank God. This was not pre-planned. Okay. Didn't do. But, but you see, if we're walking in the light, we can't trip. He's, he's showing me where my footsteps are supposed to go. Oh, and by the way, when you get right here to this, this stairway, there's going to be a big wind blow, but you know what? I'm going to take care of you. Okay. Do you understand? The, the response is, is, is we live as reactionaries. Okay. And it's, it's hard for the Spirit of God to lead somebody that just back and forth. I'm going to stumble. I'm going to trip. I'm going to fall into things. And, and let me tell you something else. If your response to the storm is fear, you know what fear does? It drives out faith. There can't be any faith where there's fear. But I read somewhere, I think it was 2 Timothy 1.6, he says, God's not given us a spirit of fear, but a power of love and a sound mind. Is that right? Okay. See, I can, light drives out darkness. 
I won't trip. I must seek to walk in light. Isn't that what he said? He said, walk in the light. If I'm walking in the light, I'm not going to be, I'm not going to give in to fear just because it seems for like a moment there's a storm raging because why? I've got authority. I've got the light to guide me. Jesus is my model. The devil doesn't have any authority over me. That's for sure. He's been defeated. He's always been defeated ever since I came around and he still remains defeated tomorrow. He is not worthy of having any influence in your life. Don't give him any. And that's what Romans, that's what Paul's talking about in Romans chapter 8, verse 5. He said, those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the Spirit I'm sorry, the mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. See, that is the fruit of a renewed mind. Knowing who we are, knowing whose we are, knowing who's in us, knowing that the light of God is within us and that darkness has no rule over us. It'll bring us life. It'll bring us peace when we're seekers after the things of God. If, if you're in confusion and you're in anxiety, it just means that you're not letting your minds be controlled by the thought patterns of the Spirit of God. You are letting your flesh rule your life. You are letting the darkness rule your life. You're supposed to be walking as children of light and let the Word of God and His Spirit yield to Him and you'll find the peace that you're looking for. Change your thinking. Or as I said before, don't have stinking thinking. So, so here's the goal, to live in this world as the light of God in a dark world is the goal. To live in the power and peace of the Spirit of God while the whole rest of the world, while all your friends on Facebook are freaking out, you have peace. No matter the turmoil that's going on around you, can I tell you that that is achievable? that you can have peace in the midst of the storm no matter what it looks like. In fact, not only is it achievable, it's necessary because the world is looking for the children of light. The world is looking for the peace of God that you have. You're supposed to be exhibiting in it. That, you know, the world, the world is supposed to see Jesus, our model, by our lifestyles, by our thinking, by our speech. If your speech is someplace else, you need to come to Pastor Dave's class on Wednesday night and learn about the right confession, about speaking the word, not, not mind over matter, but speaking the word over your circumstances because that's how you push back the darkness. Oh, no, devil, you're not coming there. Mm-mm. The Bible says, a thousand may fall at your side, 10,000 right hand, but it's not come nigh my family. I'm pushing back the darkness. See, that's proactive, not reactive. You know, and this goes, to, this goes to the realization that Jesus knew who he was hosting. He was hosting the presence of God. Always remember that everything Jesus did, he didn't do as God. He did as a man filled with the Spirit of God. I know he was always man. I'm not taking anything away from the fact that, he's always, that he was always God, I mean. Okay. But he didn't do the miracles as God. He did them as a man because he told us we could do the same thing and even more. 
I want to take us, if you'll, if you'll put up for me, Isaac, Mark chapter 1, verse 9. And this is the story of Jesus being baptized. And in those days, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized. Uh, I'm sorry. I said one. I'm sorry. It was supposed to be nine. Okay. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized in the Jordan by John. And as soon as he came up out of the water, he saw the heavens. Now, get this. If you've been reading the King James all your life, it says the heavens were opened. But what it really says is the heavens being torn open and the spirit descending upon him like a dove. Okay, How were the heavens opened? They were torn open. Okay, And a voice came from heaven, you are my beloved son. I take delight in you. Now, the word for open in the Greek is the word schizo. And it means literally to tear, to rip, to rend, to violently rip. So catch a glimpse of what's going on here. Jesus is being baptized in the water by John the Baptist. And he comes up out of the water. The heavens at that moment are schizo. They're ripped open. And the Holy Spirit descends like a dove onto Jesus and remains. And the voice of the Father says, this is my beloved Son, whom I whom I well pleased. See, it, it literally means, schizo means to rip in two. The day that Jesus was crucified, remember what happened? It was 12 o'clock in the afternoon, and suddenly the entire world was black. And there was an earthquake. And it says the rocks were schizo. They were ripped apart. I mean, Think of what, you're talking about what power rips apart rocks. And then it says the veil was schizo from top to bottom. It was ripped apart. Now God, God man has access to a mighty God where only the high priest could go once a year. Now we can enter in, okay? It's, it's the answer. There's a verse in Isaiah 64, 1. A lot of people have used it over the years. Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down. In the Hebrew, it's the same concept, that you would rip the heavens open and come down. Well, guess what? Jesus came as an answer to that cry of Isaiah. You understand, when Jesus came and was baptized, the heavens were violently ripped apart and heaven invaded earth. What the devil was called a prince of the power of the air. That means the atmosphere, the, the whole environment around this entire planet was ruled by one who had authority that Adam gave away to him. He had the right to use it. But the day that Jesus was baptized, suddenly there's a tear in the firmament and the heaven is open and it invades this earth and now everything is changed. And when Jesus died, he went down to the depths of hell, preached to the captives and took captivity captive and led and it in his train. And from that point forward, he says, all authority is mine. And it's yours because you are the light of the world. We're not children of the darkness. We're children of the light. The darkness ruled this earth, but now it's been ripped apart. It's been ripped out of his hands. He has power. He's still, he's still over and controls the people under his influence. But you know what? Greater is he who's in us 
than he that's in the world. Jesus is our model, and he told us, go, <laughs> go as the light of the world into all the world and preach all nations, preach to all nations and teach them everything I've commanded you, everything I taught you about what disease is. Disease is subject to the name of Jesus, and there's no greater name. Tell them depression. There's no room for darkness in your life once Jesus comes in. If you're walking around discouraged and depressed, that's because you're reacting to the blackness of this world. You're not responding to the light of the gospel that's in you. You're not responding to the spirit of God that he's placed in you because in you, there is no shadow. There is no darkness. Only the light of, how can light abide with darkness? It's impossible. Depression, fear, doubt, disease, the black storms of this life flee at the first glimpse of the light that's inside of you. Wow. I came across a story. My father, as you know, was in the military, lived all over the world and Fortunately, I didn't have to go to Vietnam like a lot of my friends did. My father uh, went to uh, Korea instead. But I remember a story. I don't remember where I heard it. I might have even read it, but it's that important. There was a man in Vietnam who flew uh, combat choppers. And uh, he was radioed uh, to go to on a secret mission one night to go pick up some people and it required him to fly with total lights out in total darkness, totally by instruments. You talk about scariest things, right? And he got to where he was supposed to be in the general area, didn't have GPS then, remember? And he's hovering over the jungle under a heavy black cloud cover. He told the guy that wrote this, he said, it seemed like you could cut the darkness with a knife. Ever been in that place? It's just so thick. You know, you could just cut it with a knife. And he radioed to his man on the ground and says, what can you give me? Where am I supposed to land? And the guy didn't even have a flashlight with him. And, and the landing had to be so precise, it was in a small, like, postage stamps clearing in the middle of the jungle and an error of five feet could crash the chopper and kill everybody that was with him and, and probably the people on the ground too. Finally, the guy on the ground says, oh, wait a minute, I've got a Zippo. Anybody know what a Zippo is? A Zippo is a lighter, you know, it's a metal lighter. And so he lights the zipper. The guy said, Zippo, I mean, light it and hold it up. So in the middle of the jungles of Southeast Asia on a top secret warfare mission, a combat chopper pilot landed by the light of a Zippo lighter that pierce the darkness. No amount of darkness, catch this, no amount of darkness can prevail against even the smallest light. So if that's the case, what can darkness do against the light of the world that you're carrying? No weapon formed against you can succeed. Jesus, our model, hosted the presence of God in him. He modeled for us how to live. He lived his life in submission to the authority of the one who sent him. Okay, He lived as the light in this dark world. Were there ever storms in his life? Of course there were. Were there ever any dark times? Are you kidding? But they could not extinguish the light that was in him. The storms, the dark times, they didn't define him. 
He defined them. He influenced them. They have no right to have influence over your life. The storms of of this world may rage all around you. Discouragement dares you to defeat it somehow. But we can have peace in the midst of the storm because he's in us. We're called to shine our light into every dark corner, corner we come in contact with. Every corner of darkness that you encounter, you are required to be the light. Darkness cannot overwhelm you. You're called to live as a light to your family. You're called to live as powerful examples of the light of God, to carry love into this world instead of hatred, to carry peace instead of chaos and confusion. To, you're called to forgive even when you're abused and mistreated. We're called to bring Jesus into this world. How will they know unless we tell them? How will they know unless they see him in us? We are called the light of the world for a reason. And if we're not living that way, if we're not walking that way, we are doing our God a disservice and we are not fulfilling our assignment. We have an assignment to go and bring his love and compassion and hope and joy and peace in the power of his spirit to all the world. To those in our homes, to those people at work, those people at school with us, in our city, on our, dare I say it, even on our Facebook, you know, whatever. Let them know the kingdom of God is here. The heavens, you know, people talk about, oh, I feel like I'm under a brass heaven. My prayers aren't getting off the floor. Well, let me tell you what. The heavens are open. They've been ripped aside by Jesus Christ. The devil has no authority over you. Your prayers are being heard by God. We're supposed to exhibit the authority. We're called to drive out demons. Did you know you have authority over demons? Did you know there are demons? When I was in England, I wasn't allowed to tell the people that there are demons in the world. We don't want to get spooky and weird. And I'm certainly not attributing every problem, every storm that comes in your life to a demon. But you know what? Whatever it is, you have authority over it. Whatever it is. You drive them out by the power of your word. Because of the light that's, that's shining in front of you. Hey, worship team, if I get you to all come. And you know that very first song that you started this morning? I think we'd like to sing that. The word I got is, you are the light of the world. Say it again. I am the light of the world. Say it. Say it one more time. I am the light of the world. And then he said, there is no darkness nor shadow in you. You are the light of the world. There's no darkness in you. There's no room for darkness. If you're carriers of the light, there's no room. I'm going to close with just this little, little quick story. Would you turn the lights out in here for me? There was a couple that were on a road trip, and there was a problem with their car, and they stopped one evening just after sunset, and they got to a garage, and Something in the engine needed attention, and so a mechanic was examining the engine, looking for the trouble while a helper stood by, and he was directing the beams of his powerful flashlight into the recesses under the hood. And something attracted the helper's attention, and he turned away, and when he did so, he, he, he turned off his light. And the mechanic looked up and with good-humored impatience exclaimed, shine your light. What are you here for anyway? 
my question to us is, what are you here for anyway? It's not dark enough, but you know, it's amazing. One little flashlight. Oh, there's Lucille. Hi, Lucille. Who's behind you? Marie. Yeah. I can't see the balcony half time. There's no way I can see. There's Charles and Francis. You know, who said, oh, there's uh, Sandy and, and uh, uh, Cox. I got it. Okay. Um, sorry. Eh, shouldn't do that. I'm going to stop now because I'm going to get in trouble. So, but, but you know, everywhere, there's my beautiful wife. Everywhere the light shines, there's Joelle up in the balcony it's in the dark. Everywhere the light shines, it brings light. There's no place the darkness can hide, not even, not even in that baby thing. So, there's no place for the darkness to hide when, you ha- when you're walking in the light. We're called to, you know, the, the, la- the, the, the first verse of Isaiah 60 says, Arise and shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. Say it one more time. I am. The light of the world. In me is no darkness. Neither any shadow. I am. The light of the world. My model is Jesus. I'm going to live. As a child of God. A child of the kingdom of light. Presenting Jesus. Everywhere I go. With my words. My thoughts in my actions. In Jesus' name, amen. Just bow your heads with me this morning. Well, everybody is, uh, every head is bowed, every eye closed, and you're here this morning. Or maybe you're watching us on YouTube or Facebook or some other, some other place later. If your heart's not given fully to Jesus, the light of the world. You can't live that way I'm talking about. God is a jealous God. He said, I'll have no other gods before me. You must put him in the first place in your heart. Only way you can ever get a renewed mind is to to understand it. When Jesus comes in, he gives you the peace of God. He saves you, but then he expects you to live as a child of light. You You will host the presence of God. If you're not doing that, then you just need to say, Jesus, please forgive me. Come into my heart. I want to put you on first place in my life. Maybe you did that once upon a time, but you've not been living for him now. You want to get right with God. Is there anyone in this room that needs to lift their hand and say, Pastor, I want Jesus Christ to be in first place in my life. Is there anyone today that needs to make that confession? Maybe you're watching us on video. If that's you, just say, Jesus, please forgive me of everything. Forgive me of the darkness. Now drive it out. Let your light come into my life and let me shine for you. We're called to walk as children of light. What are you here for? To go into all the world in the authority that Jesus has given you. To heal the sick, to drive out demons, to preach the good news, the favor of the Lord, to preach and tell them about the love that comes from knowing Jesus, about the peace that he gives us, and the hope that he brings us in the most terrible circumstances, he brings hope. Tell them there's a way to be free from anxiety and fear and, and, and all the pressures of this world. Doesn't mean the storms won't rage, doesn't mean the dark days won't still come, but we'll have authority to walk in it and we will not trip as we have the light leading us down each step that God puts in front of us. 
in Jesus' name. Would you stand to your feet and let's let's just sing this last chorus as we take the time to close this morning.